Think about all the content you absorb as a new hire on that day one. You can't remember half of it, um, or at least I couldn't. We archive everything in video with like quick snippets, like how to access your benefits, how to do your RSP or 401k, how to do this, how to do that. And I think people actually like the ability to absorb it in one format and then to absorb content again in a fashion that is either at the speed that they want or the frequency that they want to watch it. That was Vidyard's VP of Talent, Lisa Brown. And in this episode of Redefining HR, I was really excited to sit down with Lisa and talk about her career path and experience and role at Vidyard and really spend some time digging into the value and importance of asynchronous communication, particularly in video, as we move away from some of these on-premise co-located structures and move into these new hybrid futures of work. So more on that conversation after a brief word from our sponsor. Support for the Redefining HR podcast comes from PIN. PIN is building the world's first employee-centric communications tool, powering fast-growing companies like Shopify, Rubrik, and Sneak. Automate messages across the employee journey, so you never miss an opportunity and your employees are supported every step of the way. From onboarding to becoming a new manager and more, PIN helps companies communicate at scale. Go to PINHQ.com for more information. That's P-Y-N-H-Q Reinvent communications for the distributed workforce. And now, on to the show. Hey everyone, welcome to the Redefining HR podcast. I am your host, Lars Schmidt, and today I'm really excited to be joined by Lisa Brown. Lisa is the VP of Talent for Vidyard. And we're going to get into a range of topics here, including... Uh, leveraging video for asynchronous communication, which is a topic that I am uh, very curious about these days. So Lisa, thanks so much for coming on the show. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, why don't you start by just giving the uh, listeners and viewers a bit of an introduction and background on you? Absolutely. Well, first of all, I just want to thank you. Thank you for having me join you today. So everybody, I'm Lisa Brown. I am a proud a Canadian based in close to Kitchener-Waterloo, where my office at Vidyard is and has been. Uh, I head up our uh, talent team, which consists of uh, HR and talent acquisition, pretty much everything people and culture. When you're in a small to medium-sized company, you get to uh, participate in lots of things. So yeah, thanks. I look forward to the discussion today. Yeah. Well, let's say uh, there's a lot I want to get into with you in your current role, but before we even get there, let's kind of jump back to the beginning of your career. What I know you, you spent most of your career in different facets of HR, heavily in recruiting. Um, what intrigued you by that discipline? How how'd you find yourself in the space? So I've always known that customer service was where I wanted to be. Uh, early days, I found myself bartending, waitressing, and, and probably just thrived in that social environment. And when given the opportunity to think about what I wanted to do for a long-term career, uh, going into HR just seemed like a really natural fit. And the door opened and opportunity presented. And so I started my early career in healthcare, HR, uh, which I'm proud to say I was part of, but I'm really glad that I stepped away from that and got into tech and, and big enterprise at the time. But um, it really lent itself to uh, my background. I took sociology, psychology as my understudies um, and then found myself wanting to do something with people. Yeah. I'm a bit of a talker. Uh, <laughs> well, that, discover on this call. That is a uh, that is a good trait, I think, for uh, for for these roles. Um, so, what you know, you you were mostly focused in recruiting. So, working at you know Telus, Bell, BlackBerry, and then you transitioned to you know your role now, which is VP of Talent, but obviously overseeing all of kind of people and culture. Walk me through that shift. Was it intentional? And what I mean by that is, you know, some people are kind of, you know, they've been doing recruiting and then, you know, they feel that to kind of elevate to the next level, 
that's what they have to do, but it isn't necessarily what they want to do, right? It's not like they're passionate. And for some people, it's very clear progression. Hey, I did this. I did this in a few different roles. Now I wanted to apply that at a different level. So I'm curious, like, what was your journey and path from recruiting leadership to kind of running the people and culture team? Yeah, so I'd probably say it's a little bit into who I am. I have never been one of those people that has a, a destiny or I, I have to be X when I'm a certain age or I'm going to get to this. I really have been about, you know, as doors present themselves, I evaluate, is that something I'm interested in? Do I want to go through it? I'm a person that puts her hand up for almost anything because I'm looking for new opportunities and and kind of just the the curiosity to learn at all times. And so where I would say that I fell into maybe my my first HR job, um, recruiting is what drew me, again, there's an opportunity to be talking to people every day. It's the good side of HR. You're making people generally happy. There is the other side of HR, which I uh, can come with the negative stuff. But I did, I actually supported more back office HR. So I was designing programs, processes, uh, systems, vendor management, project management. Wasn't really the front end of recruiting until probably late stage at BlackBerry. Um, and again, for those listeners that know a thing or two about BlackBerry, um, I was there in the sort of peak when we were 18, 19,000 and doing a lot of back office uh, support for them as BlackBerry transitioned, maybe, you know, in a, in a slightly different direction. Um, the team started to collapse and, and get smaller. And that actually found an opportunity for me to expand my career in recruiting as I got to take over the whole function. So I was in that for a couple of years. We had brought in a new head of sales for BlackBerry. He was based out of New York City. And for whatever reason, I had a great relationship with him. Maybe because as the recruiter bringing him in, I established that first entry point. And when he needed a senior HR business partner to support him, the business pulled me out of recruiting and got me uh, time with him. And I was surrounded by amazing HR practitioners, like some of the best people I've ever worked with. And so I did two years in, as an HR generalist, director of HR, uh, supporting sales for BlackBerry. And then from there, I went to Bell, back into recruiting. And when the opportunity at Vidyard came up, and for those of you that are in small to medium-sized companies, uh, recruiting is one of the number one functions that I think co-founders and senior people look to, to build the talent on their team. And so I think that was what their interest in me was. And then I just surround myself with amazing people, friends, colleagues, other people in my network. And when I don't know something, uh, it's like, 1-800-HELP-ME and uh, I'm surrounded <laughs> by great people. So I, I would actually say that my learning journey continues. Every day I'm faced with something that I haven't done before or a new challenge. But I think if you know where to tap into, trust your instincts, self-researcher, go to you know legal sources or other um, industry um, uh, leads, you can kind of navigate your way. And I actually love being in both, if I'm honest. It's hard to say that you're part of the attraction strategy, but you're not part of the retention strategy. And so I think being part of that medium-sized company allows me to dabble in both sides and, and keep the balance where the organization needs it to be. Yeah. I mean, look, that's such a great point in terms of both the attraction and retention. And I think often, you know, I, I came up from recruiting as well. And so I think a lot of times, you know, there's some people in that discipline that kind of want to separate themselves like, oh, we're not HR, like we're recruiting as if it's this different function. But it's a very narrow-minded view because if you don't understand like what the organization is doing to develop uh, and grow and retain the talent you're working so hard to attract, you don't have all the, the resources and the knowledge you need to make sure that you're bringing that right kind of talent into the organization. And I do have to admit, when I saw BlackBerry uh, in your profile, I, I, I had a fond recollection of my old holstered BlackBerry days. Uh, <laughs> back in the day when, uh, yeah, when BlackBerry was kind of at, at the peak, I, I, I distinctly remember it was, uh, yeah, I, I still had that holster. It's been long enough ago that I no longer carry the shame associated with being a holster person, but at the time, <laughs> it, was, uh, it was great. So you're at uh, Vineyard now, uh, obviously uh, a new role running the entire function. 
for uh, viewers that aren't familiar with Vidura, why don't you just start with just an overview of, of the business, what you do, and then if you could also from there speak to the size of the organization uh, and kind of the size and structure of your people team uh, to support that. Sure. So uh, for those listeners that don't know Vidyard, it is a video platform for business. Um, think about asynchronous uh, communication sort of on the steroids. We have super-powered analytics, top-notch security, integrations with other business tools, um, and lots of features. And so I think when people think about using video, uh, they haven't really tapped into all the opportunity, an alternative way to communicate. So yeah, I'll get into that a little bit more later. Uh, maybe I'll put a plug in for, for Vidyard and what <laughs> we do. But it's funny, I don't think I used video to the same degree. Obviously, now that I started um, working, I've been with video for almost four years now, and I can see a use for video in so many applications within HR. Um, predominantly, we are there for the sales organization's marketing platform, internal communication. But for those people that support HR, support recruiting, again, I'll give you some tips and tricks along the way of easy ways to use video in that area. So Vidyard, um, we've gone through a growth spurt. Uh, the tailwinds of COVID have been excellent to us. Uh, if you didn't need video before, you probably do now. Again, if you're sitting in the shoes of a marketing or salesperson. And so we've grown probably, hmm, I think we went from 200 roughly this time last year. And we are just brinking, uh, getting over the, the hill of 300 with uh, a big growth trajectory for the year ahead. So recruiting hat will stay on. I can't step away from that anytime soon. But, you know, for those listeners out there, I, I bet you're all feeling the same as I am right now. It's a very hot tech market right now. And uh, there was an article I read recently. It was the Great Resignation, kind of a play on uh, the Great Recession. And it just talks about the movement of people and the opportunities with being able to tap into global markets, global talent um, from that perspective. So right now we're just looking for opportunities to bring in uh, growth-minded people, product-led growth, um, you know, hyper-focused on software developers, as I think a lot of people are. And finding just talent that uh, wants to join our team that has a passion for video, but brings something new. What I've loved about this growth phase the most is that um, the energy that new hires bring in, I wish I could find a way to bottle it and save it for later because it's actually contagious. So if anybody's ever feeling a little dull in their job or, you know, a little bit routine, honestly, take 30 minutes and talk to a new hire that's just joined. They'll invigorate you in a way that gets your engines running again. And, and I've seen that happen to our company as well with all the new starters and, and people joining. And so within your uh, within the organization, obviously, uh, fueling that level of growth, I imagine you've got a, a sizable percentage of your people function uh, skewed towards recruiting. But how, how are you set up overall, like in terms of uh, the different functions of HR to support that um, size business, uh, particularly with the growth that you're going through? So believe it or not, I used to run our recruiting team with a with a power of one. Uh, so I had an outstanding recruiter. She did everything end to end for us and probably carried a rec load at that time between like 14 and 18 uh, roles at a time. I'm now up to three full-time recruiters doing campus and professional recruiting. I have a recruiting assistant that does everything from um, offer accepted onwards to right to day one onboarding. So that makes up four people on my um, talent acquisition recruiting team. And, and currently it, it, we're hopping. I'm kind of always on the cusp of when do I need that next person? And I don't want to let my team down by being slow if we need them. Because again, it, it's one of those functions in your HR where it's um, front and center. Everybody participates in the recruiting space. And so if it's not going well, it's noticeable pretty quickly. I probably ran a lean HR team for a while as well, but moving to digital first distributed, so that's uh, the space that Vidyard finds itself in right now. Um, I think we might have at the early stages underestimated the need for uh, people and culture and HR aspects. Everything from writing our policies to how we keep people connected needed to have an overhaul and a review. And so I currently have on that team an HR manager, and she has uh, three staff, uh, one person doing sort of HR admin, 
another person doing all the technology programs, audits, compensation, salary reviews, all that kind of stuff. And then an, an HR business partner um, that currently supports upwards of 60 um, managers in our organization. So one of our key challenges right now is either you're new to Vidyard as a manager or you're new to role because you've recently been promoted. And so we're hyper-focused on leadership development and just getting our managers expectations, what it is like to be a manager at Vidyard and where we want to hold the bar for our company. Well, let's talk a little bit about your, you know, digital first um, distributed model, because I think we're, you know, we're all in this period of, where of time where we're kind of starting to map out and or we've, you know, we've already announced what our plans will be as we continue to move through the pandemic. And for some companies, 100% distributed, no offices whatsoever. That's probably more of the, well, it's certainly more the exception than the rule. You know, some are pretty clear that they're intending to be back to into a co-located, uh, you know, environment. And again, we're talking about the kinds of companies and employees who have the ability to work from remote. And obviously, there's a big population who, who that does not apply to. So let's just separate those out for a moment. Um, but the majority are, are some level of hybrid and hybrid distributed remote. And there's all kinds of different flavors to that. So walk me through like what your digital first distributed model kind of looks like, how it functions. And I'd love to also get a sense of like how you landed on this as the right model for Vidyard. We were um, maybe early adopters of announcing that we were going digital first, fully remote, probably back last uh, September. So, you know, take it back to March, pandemic kicks off. Uh, we were very much an on-prem with a satellite office or a second location in uh, Vancouver, and then a handful of remote workers that honestly were the underdogs. You know, looking at it now, thinking about trying to join a, a Zoom call where you're the only one and everybody else is sitting in the board meeting talking over you and that sort of thing. But we really valued the on-prem. It, it was our culture. I think it was the secret sauce that really gelled us together. Come September, uh, we realized that we were functioning effectively. Our performance was high. We were winning in the spaces that we needed to win in. There's a few areas that we still needed to dial up and improve, but um, we thought that the advantage of going digital first was the strength of our company. Again, people use that expression like eat our own dog food. I like to say drink our own champagne. But um, <laughs> you know the, the fact that our product is video and, and asynchronous video, we have proven that we can communicate effectively Obviously, asynchronous is, is required, plus asynchronous. And where we're landing now is that we also see the need for in-person time. And so while we're fully distributed and digital in our recruiting practices, in our everyday setup, we're going to maintain what we're calling our collaboration hubs or collaboration centers in any area that has a dominant or a, a population that would warrant it. So coming from Kitchener-Waterloo as our, our headquarters home base, we do have a lot of our employees still based out of there. So we're going to keep a collaboration center there. We're going to keep our collaboration center right now in Vancouver because we have a hub of people there as well that would benefit from getting together. And already our Toronto teams and other locations that have mass are talking about what's next for them. And so we want to make sure that we start maybe kick off our first collaboration center effectively, get the rules right, make sure that we're um, creating sort of a, a fair and equal playing field. The idea of the collaboration center is to inspire you. If you're going to be doing deep work one day or you're looking for a creative brainstorm and you can take advantage of that space, go for it. In my situation, I joke about, you know, I have a puppy at home and if she's going to be crazy one day, maybe I'll get a better uh, use out of going into the office. Take the commute for that day, set up in the office, heads down, really, uh, you know, quality work, um, or maybe a team member's in there that I want to plan to meet with. What we have to be careful of is that we don't create sort of the have me's and the have me nots. And so we're not looking to have partial teams that occupy the space. The idea is that it's a hot desk, you sign up, you use it effectively as you need to. But if somebody on the team, if you're three people show up and the fourth person is working remotely, they happen to be 
San Francisco, you're here, or just maybe they can't come in that day, you can't then resort to um, or revert sort of our practices to hybrid. And it's early days. You know, I, I think one of the things is we got to put the guardrails up or, you know, I, I have a young daughter, the bumper cars are the bumpers and the, and the bowling and it just helps steer people in the right direction. Because I think some of our old habits are not bad habits, they're just older habits might start to surface. We used to have something called VY first round. Um, it was ideas that you know, after work, if, if a group of people wanted to get together, we would toast to the first beverage, alcoholic, non-alcoholic. You just had to make a quick video of, of your, your social time. And I can see people wanting to start doing socials and that again. And I, and I want, well, I want to for sure make sure we create those environments. I have to make sure that it's, it's created in sort of an equal playing field for all people. So nobody ever felt left out or can't contribute in the same way. Hey, everyone. I hope you're enjoying the show. I want to take a brief break to share a new initiative that I think you'll find helpful. Redefining HR started with this podcast and evolved into a best-selling book laying a framework for modern HR and people operations. I'm excited to share the next evolution, the Redefining HR Accelerator. The Accelerator is a full platform to build, inspire, and support the next generation of people leaders, including cohort programs, courses, open source resources, and most importantly, community. Thanks to listeners like you, Redefining HR is now broadened into a tire platform focused on building readiness for tomorrow's HR today. Learn more at redefininghr.com. And now, back to the show. You know, you raised such a good point just around um, equity of experience for employees. To me, this is probably one of the biggest challenges for HR as we navigate this is that, you know, our our default, like you mentioned, you were, you know, historically kind of an on-prem based culture organization. Lots of companies were, you know, from an HR perspective, it's a lot easier to manage that. Like everybody is in one space. They have one set of kind of guidelines and structures and now it's something different. And, you know, some people are, some people aren't, many people are in between. We, we have to be much more, uh, you know, consistently flexible, which sometimes those are kind of, you know, in opposition, but, you know, it's a balance for us to make sure that we're not creating kind of multiple tiers of employees based on where and how and when uh, they work. Look, that's not easy. That's not an easy thing to manage. Uh, and so it's, uh, you know, I think going after all of the, the unique emotional burden that HR carried in the events of last year to this shifting burden, where, you know, there's lots of optimism around, you know, being able to slowly see, you know, beyond the pandemic, uh, yet there's so much need and opportunity and, and kind of unstructuredness to what that looks like that I think, you know, you raised a point that I think is really valid around like, you know, you're still in the early days of kind of navigating through this and like you think that this certain way is going to be the right way to, to do it and you'll do that and, and you'll learn and you may recalibrate a bit as you learn and I think that many of us are kind of in that position right now. I want to take that to kind of the conversation around asynchronous communication, specifically video. And obviously, as the product and platform that you provide as a business aligns itself pretty well to, uh, you know, using async video for collaboration and communication, you know, I think that there's so much potential to be unlocked in asynchronous communication. We're only just scratching the surface now. And so I think given your platform, you're probably... Uh, a step or two ahead of where a lot of your contemporaries are as it relates to using video for asynchronous. So what is you walk me through like how you use it uh, at video, like specifically like how you're using your tool kind of internally for async communication. And then, um, you know, from there, I'd like to expand that towards like for your contemporaries and your peers who are maybe looking to, you know, leverage async 
and leverage video specifically um, in smarter ways? Like, what are what are some things that you should be thinking about? It. What are some different use cases that they can apply that to uh, to drive impact? So lots of ideas. So I'm going to probably speak specifically to my HR friends out there. Um, if you're in marketing and sales, we've got tons of information available on our website. But I'll, I will tell you some advantages there. So I would say that before the pandemic and, and working remotely, uh, we were challenging ourselves all the time to find new ways to use video. And so I inserted it into our recruiting process in, in tons of steps from you know, making introductions to candidates. Imagine, you know, for the recruiters out there, how many um, passive candidates you reach out to and you get no response back at all. All you have to do is pull up their LinkedIn profile, throw it up on a video and, and ask them to reach out to you or at least review, watch your video. You'll be astounded. You're going to get a 99% return on, on your communication only because people can't help but click a video that had their face on it. Uh, so that was one of the first things that we did is just passive candidate reach out, immediately got people responding back to us and we found great wins in that. We started then finding other aspects of the recruiting process where we could give the hiring manager a 30 second, hey, just tell us a little bit about who you are, what your um, job is, and let us use this to sort of woo a candidate or get them inspired to why they would want to come work for us. I started seeing us put it into um, follow-up emails to an offer letter. So we would take time on a Zoom call perhaps just to present an offer letter uh, to somebody and then do a follow-up video with some of the, the highlight uh, reels or, or top speaking points. So you can imagine anytime you're communicating with a candidate in the recruiting space, there's lots of opportunity. When I was at Bell, because you mentioned the big companies I worked for, we invested in a huge Goliath of, a, of an onboarding tool that really you know, was a tank. It was world-class, I would say. I don't want to put it down in any way. But you couldn't edit it. You couldn't adapt it for a unique hire. And um, and something as easy as sending your new hire a quick welcome, like, hi, I'm Lisa Brown. I'm going to see you on Monday. Can't wait for you to join my team. You instantly know when the person watches it. They immediately send you a response back how amazing that was. And it takes no time at all. It's faster than, than typing up an email to somebody. So if you can think about any human connections in that area. I find lots on my HR side as well. Like imagine doing training. You want to send out a new code of conduct. You want to send out some type of um, you know, security review, something. You send it in video, you know, for tracking, how many people watched it, how much they watched, and it satisfies a lot of requirements for just ensuring that your training components are done. Outside of what I do in HR and recruiting, um, it's been embraced by the leadership team um, so well in the sense that consistently we send out a Friday communication from our co-founders. It's roughly five to 10 minutes in length. It's a summary of the week that we just had, highlights how we won with a customer, talks about our key stats and statistics. And the feedback from our team has been outstanding. You can watch it again. Like if there's something that Mike Litter, CEO says, and I didn't quite catch it, or there's metrics that maybe I'm not as familiar with, I can quickly go back, listen to it again. If I need to slow it down so I can hear it, if I need to speed it up, perhaps. Um, and so these are all great tools. It's also archived. Um, I mentioned to this group that we've been hiring a lot lately. Imagine you start it, uh, you start on Monday. You just miss the last four weeks of great updates that the company has sent. They're all archived on our Confluence and you can watch those videos at your leisure. We put them into all of our onboarding materials. We do an onboarding live with video. Think about all the content you absorb as a new hire on that day one. You can't remember half of it, um, or at least I couldn't. We archive everything in video with like quick snippets, like how to access your benefits, how to do your RSP or 401k, how to do this, how to do that. And I think people actually like the ability to absorb it in one format and then to absorb content again in a fashion that is either at the speed that they want or the frequency that they want to watch it. So. Hopefully that inspired you a little bit to think about different areas that you use video. Um, think about doing a huddle. If you are a distributed or a hybrid um, company right now, you probably want to bring your team together for a huddle. You've just taken five, 10 people, 30 minutes. If you're a finance person, you're probably doing the math on the salary. 
honestly, if you just have to distribute uh, one-way communication, you take the time and put a five-minute video together sharing like the week ahead or what to expect and let everybody watch it. It allows for people to be on different time zones, different scheduling, even people in the same time zone. My team, some people start at 10, some people start at 7. Who am I to say, let's have a nine o'clock meeting? <laughs> it's good for me, but it might not be good for you. And so if I push it out first in, in asynchronous, have you ever been to a meeting without an agenda? There's nothing put in the meeting invite. <laughs> have I, I think the better question would be, have I ever been to a meeting with a clear agenda? That would well, <laughs> you know, maybe agenda is just like phase one. Now imagine putting a, a video agenda out where you actually ha- happen to set expectations like, hey, this is what I'm hoping to get from you. This is sort of my thoughts on it. Can you come prepared to ask me a, a ton of questions? Because now we're going to be synchronous so that you don't utilize the time that you have together. Because I would say that in a digital first space, I think time is more precious than ever. At least for me, I'm sick of being on constant Zoom calls. And when I can absorb content on my time, I think it's a great feature. Those are all really interesting points. And I think we're, you know, you know, we, we come, the, the history of kind of on-prem or co-located uh, organizations is that the first solution is a meeting. Not the last solution. So it's like, oh, let's let's we have to do this thing. Okay, great. Let's get everybody together. We're all like that's step one, and like that should be step five. You know, maybe six. Like, there's a range of things that you should be able to do before that meeting might not even be necessary. And uh, you know, I think it's just it's a mindset shift. I think most of us are oriented that way. We have to unlearn that default and kind of shift that. And so I think it's going to be. You know, I, I view it as kind of the, the early stages of a multi-year evolution in terms of how we think about prioritizing time and synchronous and asynchronous. But those are all great and interesting use cases uh, that I think are going to be helpful. You know, we're, we're kind of in this period right now where we're beginning, uh, like we said, kind of mapping out what what the nature of work even is, like when, where, how, all of that. And that's going to have all of those you know, decisions are nuanced and they're all going to have profound impacts on HR. What do you get most excited about? Like when you think about this kind of moment in time for our field where we're really, you know, rewriting the the rules, the playbook, you know, all the things that maybe for generations we've held true now are not the case and we're building something different. When you think about that opportunity, like what gets you most excited about the kind of HR team and capability and impact that we can build? It's the thing I'm most excited about, but probably the thing I'm most scared about. It's access to talent, right? Yeah. It's where I might have looked in my neighborhood and, and tried to compete against other local companies for the best and the brightest. I now have access to literally the, the world. I mean, I would say predominantly I try to focus my, my time zones to be North America, but that's a big ocean to be looking in as well. When you're a recruiter and you have to look that wide, it's a big territory to, to look at. But at the same time, I know our talent's actually being looked at as well. This is where I talked about earlier that if you're not thinking attraction and retention, the talent of Vidyard is some of the, the brightest, smartest, most innovative people I've ever worked with. I have to fight to keep them every day, right? And and what is the culture like and, and how do we keep it? So that is what I'm most excited about. Um, myself, I'm learning new, new toys and tricks and, and technology every day. I feel that sometimes like a dinosaur working um in a tech environment, and just in the sense that just when I think I know it, there's something else, a new a facilitation tool that's being brought out or, you know, some type of add-on technology that I can, can plug and play with that really enhances like a team meeting or, or a session. And so I'm just excited to honestly see companies that are adapting. Think about all the companies that refuse to let employees work from home in the past. I mean, we were never that company. We always had flexibility. The pandemic made people fast forward that. All of a sudden, it wasn't a choice anymore. It was mandatory. And we proved that we could move quicker than we were. 
So the old HR, the old industries, I think kept us working slow and kind of based on old practices and, and methodology. I think that we are kind of thrown into this and we prove to ourselves that we can move fast, we can adapt and change really quickly. And I think if we can keep that momentum going, it's going to be crazy, <laughs> crazy. <laughs> to, see, to just, just see sort of the way that the world works and technology and just kind of keeping up with, with everything that's happening. Um, I mean, if you're leading an HR team right now, I, I hear all the time about what other companies are doing. And I try to be a sponge. At the very beginning of this, I talked about maybe I took an HR job because I love to talk. I'm really trying to be an active listener right now. I'm trying because I'm not in the office. I can't read body language like I used to. I can't see sort of the the pockets of people that are inspired. I have to find other tools right now uh, and other ways of actively listening so that I can make sure that I stay on top of what what people need from a, a people and culture side of things. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's a great point. I think you 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 know as an HR leader you have to work harder for uh, you know the the same level of of understanding and awareness um, that maybe you had when you were when you were on prem. Yeah, Lisa, I really enjoy learning more about your your role, uh, views around async. Uh, I want to wrap up the episode the way that we do with all of our episodes, which is a quick lightning round, uh, just to help the uh, the viewers get to know you a little bit better. So, you ready for this? Okay, go. Uh, okay, I am uh, checking out your Spotify playlist. Who will I learn are your top three artists? Okay, I'm kind of embarrassed to say. Um, so, I love Ed Sheeran. I love the Lumineers, and uh, for those listeners out there, I love Lily Allen. So. And I'm not actually that into music. And so I tend to listen to the same music over and over again. My daughter can't stand it. <laughs> <laughs> I could, uh, yeah, I, I, my, my, speaking of children, my, uh, the, the playlists for uh, Frozen 2 and all different kinds of movies are infiltrating my Spotify playlist uh, as, as it should be. So yep. uh, what is your least favorite HR buzzword? Can I say two? Yeah. Synergy. Mm. I've had to wipe out of my vocabulary. And just recently, the word pivot, I, I, I'm not using it anymore. It's scratched from my, uh, my lingo. All right. Fair enough. Um, what is your favorite HR function? It probably came across in this, uh, this uh, storytelling. <laughs> I never, I, look, I, I've learned to never make assumptions based on somebody's background. So it's still, it's still when you do the job offer and you make that, you know, that human connection and say, hey, we want you. And uh, I love the candidate experience and, and being able to extend job offers. So that will always be near and dear to me and stay at the top of my HR love list. All right. Uh, okay. You're, you're having a career reinvention. You're moving outside of HR. What would you be doing? (laughs) Okay. I, it's funny because, uh, this hairdresser. Okay. So my hair is not necessarily giving it away today. It's got COVID hair, but, uh, again, I think it's one of those things that uh, I could just see myself talking to people all day and yeah. Hairdresser would have been the way to go if I, my parents hadn't pushed me into university. (laughs) All right. And, uh, last question for you, Lisa, who, who is one HR leader that you admire and why? Okay, there's too many to name, but I'm going to do a special shout out to my dear friend, Kelly Daly. So if you're watching this, um, I just admire the way she approaches HR. She's super authentic and she's no problem getting into the weeds. Uh, and I think I, I aspire to be that same type of HR leader. So thanks, Kelly, for uh, being a great role model. All right, well, Lisa, thanks so much for uh, coming on. I enjoyed the conversation. I appreciate you sharing your time and your experience and your wisdom with all of us. And um, yeah, I'm excited to see how the digital uh, first kind of uh, remote structure uh, continues to play out as you continue to grow and good luck with the rest of those hires. Great. Thanks, Lars. Thanks, everyone. Have a great day. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Redefining HR. 
For more information on the podcast, past episodes, future guests, the Redefining HR book, or free resources, be sure to check out redefininghr.com. And if you dig this podcast, why don't you share it with your CEO, your executive team, and your friends to help them discover what Redefining HR is all about. If you really dig this podcast, I'd love for you to leave a review on whatever podcast delivery vehicle your ears prefer. See you next week.